Well, good morning. We are continuing in our series in the Gospel of Mark. And this morning we are in Mark chapter 7. We're going to look at these uh, verses together in a moment. But to give you a little context of where we are, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He sends the disciples away and then he walks on water and they see him and they're afraid and he teaches them some lessons. They then land to another part, the Gentile nation, and all these people come to Jesus and he heals them and they're in awe of him. And once again, we see in our passage, the scribes and the Pharisees are looking to discredit Jesus's teaching and his leadership. The scribes and the Pharisees see the disciples eating with unclean hands, and they want to attack Jesus as a teacher for having his disciples fail to do the very things they're called to do. Now, Mark lets us know in this section, by giving us uh, certain verses in parentheses, he kind of gives us a commentary on what's going on here. Because the scribes and the Pharisees are very angry at the fact that Jesus does not seem to care about the religious uh, cultural identity markers that the people of God had, including washing their hands. We're going to see in our section today that Jesus is openly challenged by these religious leaders, and he will not back down. And while this argument over cups and pots and hands being washed and food laws might seem just like religious infighting that has no relation to us today, I would say we need to hold on to that thought because I think the rigid and superficial religion found in this passage is often found in our church and in our lives as well. So I believe we need these words from Mark chapter 7. So let me read for us 1 through 23. You can follow along in your Bible or in your order of worship, or you can just listen as I read. Mark 7, beginning in verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, holding to the tradition of elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles the father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? 
Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is God's word, and it is given to us for our good. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we uh, ask that you would use your spirit to remind us of who you are and who we are. Father, I pray for each person here, and for myself included, that you would allow us to hear what we need to hear in order for us to learn how to love you more, how to love others more, and how to follow you in believing the good news that you have died, you have rose again, and you have set us free from our sin. Thank you for that hope, and may that be what we rest on now as we hear your word. Amen. Well, when I was in high school, like a lot of high schoolers, I really wanted to be popular. I mean, I just wanted to be so accepted by what I considered the cool crowd. And there was definitely a cool crowd in my high school that I wanted to belong to. And I thought one of the best ways to be popular and accepted in my high school was if I can be a guitar player in a rock and roll band. I thought if I could be in a band and sing and play guitar, I would be cool. Now, this was the mid-80s, so I'm talking about Bon Jovi, Death Leopard, Poison, the classics, right? And these were the songs and the music that I thought, if I can play, I can get in and belong. So what I did is I would spend hours in my room, in front of my mirror, practicing air guitar. I would spend hours in my room with that music playing, pretending like I was in a band. I I kid you not, if I had spent half the amount of time I played air guitar on an actual guitar, I might have made it into a band. But the things that I tried to accomplish my goal of belonging did not work. Now, in this same period of my life, in this time in high school when I desperately wanted to belong and be accepted, I got really involved in the youth group at my church. And I began to realize that I was comfortable speaking in front of people. I began to realize that unlike some of my friends, I liked leading in prayer or leading the Bible study or discussing things. I found pretty quickly that I was actually pretty good at being a youth group kid. And I felt like I finally belonged. Now, the first story is ridiculous and foolish for me to think that I can become a rock star by practicing air guitar. But the second story is a little bit more dangerous because I took a lot of really good stuff, being involved in a church group, reading God's word, praying, going on missions trip, and I turned them into things to make me feel like I belonged. I took these good things and I made them into what I felt gave me acceptance Acceptance from others and acceptance from God. I share this with you today because I believe this is what this passage is all about today. And it's about our present lives as well. Wanting to belong, wanting to be liked, wanting to be accepted is what drives so many of us today. The desire for us to belong 
often causes many of us to pretend. To pretend like we're something we are that we're not really. To pretend like we don't really care that we're so hurt. To pretend like we have it all together. To pretend like we don't really care that we don't belong. Others of us work really hard at belonging. We do whatever it takes to make sure we are liked and accepted. We take good things like I did in the youth group and we turn them into our identity, our significance, and the way we think we belong. This passage this morning in Mark is about longing and the desire that we have to belong. This section, I believe, deals with how we belong to others and ultimately how we belong to God. Now, if you were listening to the passage when I just read it, you might be wondering, what am I talking about? How does the disciples not washing their hands have anything to do with us longing to belong? How does Jesus talking about food getting expelled from the stomach have anything to do with wanting to be accepted by others and by God? Well, I hope as we walk through this passage together, we will see what I'm trying to convey. As I've already said, the Pharisees and the scribes notice that some of the disciples are eating with unclean hands. And this causes problems for them. Now, Mark gives us a little commentary by putting in parentheses the reason why this was an issue. Mark in verse 3 says that the, the washing of the hands and the cups and the vessels, they were done according to the tradition of the elders. Okay, here's what's going on. God has given us commands. God gave the people of, of the Israelites in the Old Testament and the people in Jesus' day these same commands. And there was one command that was given in Exodus 30 that talked about what the priests needed to do when they went into the temple to meet God. And in Exodus 30, you could read, they were required to wash their hands. Well, the Pharisees and the scribes and the teaching of the elders, what they did is they extended that law to apply to everyone. They took the law that was only for the priests and they made it for everyone to always have to wash their hands. The tradition of the elders was an extension of the law to strive for holiness beyond what the law prescribed. And there's a problem with this, of course, which we're going to get to in a minute. But keep in mind, the reason why there were these traditions that they upheld was not only to protect God's people from breaking the law, but they were attempting to answer the question, how do I belong to God? How do I, as an unclean person, come to a clean God and be accepted? God says in his word, I am holy, therefore you must be holy. And how are we to be holy? And so the Pharisees tried it to provide guidance and rules and traditions to help the people feel like they can come to God, even though they don't feel holy. The rules really were held up by the tradition of the elders to give access to God. They were to help God's people in their sin and uncleanliness. But there's a problem, isn't there? The desire that the Pharisees had to gain access to God, this is a very good desire. The desire to belong as God's children to God the Father is a great desire to have. This, in fact, should be our desire as well. The problem is not their desire. The problem is the means by which the Pharisees tried to achieve their goal. It's the same problem that I see 
in the church, and in our lives at times. The first problem that I see in Mark 7, and often I see this in our lives, is we choose certain rules that we want to follow that we think will give us belonging. Or we pick and choose the rules we want or we think that we can keep to find acceptance. Now, before we jump into the problem of the Pharisees creating rules to help with uncleanliness beyond what the Scripture says, I want to actually first talk about a rule of our culture that I think is dangerous. One of the rules of our culture, and we have a lot of them, but one of them is you shouldn't get negative at all about yourself. The world tells us that the problem is that we don't have enough self-worth. The problem of our lives, the problem of this world, the problem of all the struggles is we do not believe enough in ourselves. And so our world says, if you want to find acceptance and you want to belong, then you need to just accept who you are, period. So for some, words like guilt, sin, uncleanliness, defiled, these are things that we should never talk about. For some, the belief is that we must stay positive and only think of the good and not the bad. Now, Obviously, we can't just spend our lives beating ourselves up and just reminding ourselves and everyone else how bad we are. It would be unhealthy and unhelpful to just walk around all the time admitting how much we're a screw-up and talking about how bad we are and just beating ourselves up. But we have to be honest with ourselves. We cannot ignore our sin, our weakness, our uncleanliness, and our need for help. We need to, for example, look at the last list in our scripture passage of all these things and realize these sins are not just out there, but they're here. They're right here. See, it seems like the Pharisees are actually honest about the uncleanliness and they're trying to address the problem, but they miss the point because they use God's laws, which were intended to build a relationship with God, But instead, these laws became an obstacle for having a true encounter with God. Keeping the rules became more important than a relationship. And Jesus would not let that slide. He quotes from Isaiah. He calls them hypocrites, which means they are play-acting. They're pretending a part. They're wearing a mask, acting like one way and actually believing another. And he says to them that they worship in vain and their hearts are far from him. And then he talks about these tradition of the elders, but he uses a different word. He doesn't say the tradition of elders. He emphasizes they are the traditions of men. They are not God's traditions. They are man's traditions. And he actually says in verse 8, you leave the commandments of God and you hold to the tradition of men. What he is saying is that they keep the man-made rules quite well while they reject God and his laws. And one of the ways he illustrates this is a little confusing for us today because this isn't something maybe we're used to or know anything about. And Mark tries to explain it again in his parentheses. But the Pharisees promoted something called korban, which was basically if a person had a land or crops or money that they wanted to devote to God, they could say this land is going to be given to the temple. And they wouldn't give it away actually but they would say this land is for the temple. 
And then let's say some parents of theirs come to them and they're in need. They need land. They need money. They need a crop. And the family says, the children say, well, I'm sorry, I can't give you this land because I have made a vow to God to give it to the temple and I can't break that vow. And what Jesus is clearly saying is they ignore the vow that Moses gave. Honor your mother and father and held on to a man-made vow that the elders gave. What they did is they found a loophole to avoid obedience to God. They followed a rule that broke a relationship, a relationship with his parents and a relationship with God. In verse 13, Jesus says, they clearly void the word of God by the traditions they hand down. Okay, so that's them. That's the Pharisees and the scribes. That's the people back in Jesus' day. What about you and me? What is our application to this passage today? What does it matter that Mark gives us these words for us today? Well, I think one of the questions we have to ask is, do we value rules more than relationships? Or do we live and promote traditions more than the word of God? Some of the traditions that we hold to, whether it be as a follower of Jesus or it be as a part of this church or it be as a part of a denomination, they are good and we affirm them and we like them, many of them. But do we hold to those more important than we hold to the word of God? Do we value the rules and the traditions and the standards that we think are the only way to think? And so we don't like it if other people disagree with us. Or in our religious activities, going to church, volunteering at our partner ministries, world relief or breakthrough, giving money to the poor, being involved in praying or reading God's word. These are all good things. But do we just do these things as external behaviors or traditions? That's just what we do. You know, the Pharisees were really good at keeping the law. But the problem was they were very far away from actually having an intimate relationship with God in their law keeping. And are we any different? (laughs) Does the verse from Isaiah describing the Pharisees ever describe us? It definitely describes me at times. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How often do we say we believe in God? We say we believe in the gospel. We say we believe in loving one another. But our hearts are in cold, distant anger towards others and towards God himself. You know, I said this passage is all about finding belonging with one another and with God. But this religious activities that doesn't care about the heart, we read in Isaiah, causes us to be far from God. You see, God does not just want rule keepers and those that worship God in just lip service. God doesn't just want us looking good and acting the part here on Sunday morning. God wants you. God wants your heart. God wants to be in relationship with us. And God knows that we can't get there on our own. See, the Pharisees thought in order to have a relationship with God, what they needed to do was get rid of the surface impurity that was involved in their life. So they wash their hands. The Pharisees and often you and me miss the deep cleansing that we need. Jesus is very concerned about the internal impurity that comes from the heart. 
Because listen, it is a lot easier to abstain from certain food and wash your hands than it is to avoid envy, slander, pride. Heck, I've struggled with those things just this morning. It's a lot easier to do the outward religious activities than it is to truly evaluate, where is my heart? The main point of this section that we're looking at here is that Jesus is teaching about how important it is to get to the heart of the matter. In this second section in Mark 7, he explains to the crowds, and then you have to explain to the disciples again, that what goes into a person does not make them unclean or defiled. It's what comes out of them. You see, by focusing on just outward purity and the unclean things in this world and outside of us can cause us to avoid the deep cleansing that is need in our heart. It's a lot easier for me to think the unclean thing is that person or that thing I need to avoid out there rather than realizing the unclean thing is me. It's you. I mean, just listen again to the hard last few verses in this account. Jesus is clear. From within us, from out of our hearts, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. What do we do with a list like this? What do we do when the scriptures describe what comes out of your and my heart? Well, what some of us do is we don't think this list is about us. We think, you know, yeah, I might struggle with some things, but immediately we begin to defend how we are better than others. We look at that list and we think, well, I've never struggled with this, and we ignore the ones that we do struggle with. For some of us, we just immediately begin to blame other things than us. It's this world that we live in that causes me to struggle. It's that person that I work with that causes me to sin. Or we blame God. If truly you want me to obey you, God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me? But verse 23 says, all these evil things come from within and they are what defile us. So we need help. <laughs> we need help, and we need more than external rules and traditions to deal with the uncleanliness in our lives. You know, I said in this section of Scripture, I think it's about belonging to God and belonging to others. And how we belong to God is Jesus takes care of the uncleanliness. How we belong to God is that Jesus became unclean so that we can be clean. The Apostle Paul, in a letter to the church of Corinth, put it this way. For our, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus dirty, so that in him we might be clean. Now I want you to think about this Jesus that we worship and that we're learning about here in this sermon series in Mark. We're only in chapter 7 of this book, and already we see how Jesus has dealt with those that are considered impure or unclean. He touched lepers. He ate with tax collectors. He dealt with a woman who was bleeding and healed her. 
He touched the corpse of a little child and brought it back to life. Again and again and again, we are going to see that Jesus always goes to the broken and the messy and the dirty, and he offers true cleansing. Listen, if you are here today, and you might look really good on the outside, and you might feel like you're covering up who you really are, but deep down, you feel unclean, you feel dirty, you feel unworthy of God because of the mess and the dirt and the failure in your life, join the crowd. That is you and me. But the good news is that when we turn to Jesus, we are cleaned. We turn to Jesus, we are able to receive the cleansing love of the gospel to allow us to know that though our outward acts might be dirty, inwardly we are set free because of what Jesus did on the cross. So I would encourage you to run to Jesus today, whether it be your first time to ask him for cleansing or your thousandth time to ask him for cleansing. Jesus died and he rose again so that we can believe that there is clean promises given to us and we could celebrate that. And as we believe this more and more, we will see the call to follow Jesus on mission, to offer this healing cleansing to the world around us. You know, all these rules in Mark 7, we read them in Leviticus 11, we read it in other places in Scripture, all these food laws and traditions and washings. The reason why these were upheld by the Jews is because they were of central importance to the Jewish culture and identity. The issue at stake in this passage and elsewhere is a question of religious identity. What appropriately marks us off as God's people? How are we marked off different than the nations around us? Now, they thought it meant the food laws and the cleansing and the washing. How do we answer that question today? If you are a follower of Jesus today, what marks you off as different than those that don't believe? We believe, the scriptures say, that we are to be distinct as daughters and sons of God. We believe, if you read the scriptures, that God does call us to holiness. There are commands in scripture that we are to follow. We do believe that God tells us we are to die to our sin and live for Christ. But we are not just marked off by God in the external actions that we do. Brothers and sisters, you are not marked off by God by how well you are at cleaning up yourself. May we be humbled by our uncleanliness. May we repent of the ways that we say we believe it's by grace alone that we are saved, and yet we keep living like it's about me doing the good works to get God to love me. And may we realize that the only hope we have is the cleansing work of Jesus, and we can offer that hope to the world around us. The reason we as a church should be so inviting to the messy and the broken and the sinful is because that is what we are. The reason we can be so open to allowing people into our lives that disagree with what we think, that act a different way than we act, that maybe even believe different things than we believe about God, is because we are no better than them. And we need the same thing they need. May we repent of the ways that we expect and call others to standards that we ourselves cannot keep. 
May we repent of the ways that we think we're better than others, even though we do the very same thing, but we keep it hidden. And may we repent of the ways that we promote rules over relationships. And may we believe that God calls us and allows us a relationship with him and with one another because of the work of Jesus cleansing us from our sins. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we can belong to you and that we can belong to one another because of what you have done for us. Father, we thank you that in a moment we get to participate in a meal that reminds us again of the blood that was poured out to set us free from our sin. May we believe this and may we celebrate this and may we go from this place and live it out in our lives as we follow you in mission to this world that desperately needs your cleansing. In your name, amen. Let's stand together and join in the passing of the peace.